This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of What Most People Think. I'm hungover. I'm hungover, so this could be interesting because I'm recording this at about 5pm. No, 3pm. See, I'm already, this is the evidence of the hangover. I'm confused, I'm emotional, I'm just eating every every half hour. But, but let's see where this takes us. And you know, that 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 version of the main theme, could, could we be going down, go back to a lockdown again soon? A circuit breaker lockdown, a national lockdown? Regional lockdowns. I feel like the lockdown franchise has got um, a little bit out of hand, but uh, but this is what most people think. This is the show that dares to uh, the deal in opinions that aren't expressed in the usual comedy circuit. You know, the kind of opinions that maybe only nutters would think, like Noel Gallagher. <laughs> it was funny this week, wasn't it? Noel Gallagher sort of uh, expressed anti-mask sentiments, and people immediately jumped to him, didn't they? Just saying, well, you want people to die, the usual. Do you want grandma to die? Always grandma. And um, then people started calling him a Tory, which was I thought was odd. I sort of thought, well, this is a Tory policy. I think, I think what they meant by that was, you're saying an opinion I don't like, and generally that that that's Tory. But uh, but welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. We have a, a Patreon. Why did I say that like everyone listening was five? We had this thing called a Patreon for the show to keep it weekly uh, and ad-free. And there are lots of benefits that go with that. We'll talk about that later. Let's just welcome the new £10 Patreons. We've got Andy Hempstead, Andrew Lindsay, and David Vanagas. What a fucking great name that is, David Vanagas. David Vanagas sounds like a crime author, doesn't he? The new novel from David Vanagas, The Slip of Time. It would always be called something like that, wouldn't it? Murder. On the or it, no, that's see that's my hungover brain going. Yeah, you can riff this one out, Jeff. And what did I offer? Nothing. Um, we do a swearing count. This started a long time ago um, when it was said that I was swearing too much. Then it was said that I wasn't swearing enough. And now, well, we just keep we keep tabs. And last week was two bullshits. And uh, sorry, just to get technical here, that is two uses of the word bullshit. I'm not including plurals here. One cunts, and that is plural. There was no singulars last week. Just cunts. I was obviously I was talking in the uh, as, as a kind of noun or, or like a pride of cunts. Uh, six fucks, uh, twenty eight fucking, uh, <laughs> one piss, six shit, one shitty, and one wanker. So that was forty six over fifty minutes, which works out at basically a swear a minute, which I, I think is quite like quite a steady ratio. There, I'm quite I'm sort of pleased with that in a way. It's kind of like. Kind of like going at a runner ball, isn't it? It's sort of like a, a kind of Graham Thorpe one day innings of swearing um, that. But, uh, but you know, if there are any swear words that you think I'm missing out on, um, email in or what most people think, what most people think UK at gmail.com. And if there's anything in this show that you take issue with, you agree with, you want to expand on, or you just uh, just want to insult me, you know, I had to do a bit of blocking this. I had to block um, one of my first ever people this week. I've only blocked one person in the whole time I've been on Twitter. And it was because he said to me, he said, you're unfunny and you're a fascist. And I blocked him for saying that I was a fascist. Because you know what? He To him, I might be unfunny, but I'm, I'm definitely not 
a fascist. So he's now probably done that thing of saying, oh, so-called free speech advocate Jeff Norcott blocked me. Um, yeah, so it's not free speech, man. I just, I just, uh, just want to hear your prickery. There's a new word. That's a new word for the cuss count next week. Uh, coming up on the show, we'll be discussing Brexit. That's back in the game, isn't it? Good to see old Brexit back. Nice to have a look. Should we have a Brexit ding-dong, shall we? Um, and we'll be discussing covid related stuff but before we get into all that quick thank you and a fuck you as ever thank you to legoland in windsor i went there on wednesday with my boy as a as a prize to him for going to school i know what you're probably thinking now did he need a prize for going to school well the thing was his school went back for a week and then they said right and then we're gonna have a a week just to recalibrate and stuff so he, he did well and uh, we wanted to take him out for a day and it was a really it was a really good day and what they've done with their roller coasters there there was one not a roller coaster, like a ride, but they've included like laser, sort of mixed it with laser quests. So you go around this thing and there's these things attacking you and you have to shoot them as well. And um, I got I got so into it. I think I got the record score ever on it. I haven't checked this, but I'm pretty sure. 17,000 points. And I I don't really know what happened. I, was, I think like the sort of paternal instinct came out where I felt like my family was under threat. You know, there were zombies coming at us from every angle. And... Um, uh, yeah, there's a photo of me looking just a little bit too into it. I, I, I got I got lost in the game, like Britney. <laughs> I got lost in the game. I did think that I was in a film and uh, I, I was shooting uh, the undead. Uh, and a fuck you. This is also a Legoland to the woman who pushed in front. Uh, which, uh, I say pushed in front. Um, she queued, They did the queue jump. You know when people got the queue jump thing, the tickets? You know, they just bowl up by the side of you. You've been standing there an hour. I know they paid for it. Um, but I don't accept it. I don't think any of us do really, do we? Like you can never, you can never sort of account for the feeling when someone's jumped in front of you a queue. It doesn't, you know. This is gonna sound awful to say, but I, I, I don't. I mean, unless, unless you're there as like a dying wish, <laughs> and even then, it's still annoying. But, um, but <laughs> this woman pushed past, and uh, <laughs> even I can't stop myself from saying it. And then she got the front, and uh, her kid. A kid was too short for the ride. Brilliant. What a brilliant. I mean, I know I probably, you know, there was a kid involved in this, so I shouldn't be mean about the kid, but she then, uh, then she threw a, she threw a paddy and she, uh, and, and she showed the person that was basically doing their job in, you know, in terms of health and safety and saying that kids that are too short can't go on this because they might fall out and hurt themselves. And she'd go, look, my child is crying. Look what you did. You know, maybe it's better that than your child getting crushed uh, between the ride and the wall, but there you go. So, uh, so just accept it, love. Your son is not yet tall enough. That is down to you. That is on you. It's not on the the uh, excellent staff at Legoland Windsor. It's on your pathetic genetics. Okay, so first up, we're talking about um, Brexit. So obviously, we had this business with the uh, Internal Markets Bill. Uh, so this is Britain, the UK, try, or the UK government trying to introduce a piece of legislation that would give it power to override the EU in the instance where there was no deal and there was no free trade agreement and the EU were trying to block goods moving between uh, mainland England, the rest of Britain and Northern Ireland, right? So the, the, I think there's a number of things here. Well, as usual, you know, with Brexit, you're, you're kind of, you feel that you have to Either just jump one side of the fence. I think it's it's possible to hold several opinions on this. On the one hand, I think it's reasonable to say that you know a break in international law, just from even from the sound of it, doesn't sound like something that's you know high up there in the list of consequence-free actions. 
<laughs> breaking international. But first thing first, though, then the Yanks come in, well, the Democrats, and say, well, if you do this, we're no trade agreement for you. I, I think if you look in your history books with Brexit, you know, um, threatening to not give trade agreements because of stuff to do with Brexit hasn't really worked out well, as Obama found to his cost. I mean, the thing with the Yanks, right, is we will go, we'll march into a legal war with them, but you dare, you dare interfere in our paperwork, okay? And you'll find out the hard way. But yeah, I think, you know, maybe I have reservations, you know, grave reservations about breaking international law. On the other hand, do I think the EU would meddle, given half a chance? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that they would. I think that the EU is an organisation that is uh, is largely predicated, I would say, on meddling. They would pride themselves on meddling. They're very much like the... Um, <laughs> they're, they're like, uh, you know, that Harry Enfield character, the interfering father-in-law. Only me! Oh, I don't think he wanted to do it like that. That's what the, that's what the EU are. That's what Michel Barnier is. They all think that he's really classy and sophisticated and everyone's in awe of him. But basically, that's what he'd be. Oh, I don't think you wanted to move those goods across borders without a transatlantic agreement. They were a meddling organisation. And I know the Remainers will be listening to this thinking, yeah, but I bet when they meddle, they just do it like in a classier way. But the Brexit, but then there's the Brexit types on the other hand, where they seem to want like, they're like into it. You know <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, yeah, ah, way to hell. No deal, no international law. They're, they're just off the deep end. Do you know what I mean? They've, they've gone, uh, they've taken a deep dive on Brexit. I'm, I'm not there with that. I'm not there with that. But then I also think it, it kind of pulls out this thing in the media where the EU once again get treated or portrayed like this kindly band of benevolent wizards. It's like, oh, the EU, because they would never break international law. Would they? Or have they? Quite a lot. You know, they probably... Didn't Germany, didn't Germany have a, a court ruling earlier this year that, um, that Germany could essentially supersede EU treaties, that German law was sovereign above anything that the EU could produce, you know? Yeah, still part of Winfrey. Um, you know, Winfrey it's, uh, it's different, you know, because it's uh, it's Mutter, Mutter, Mutti does it. Actually, Merkel. Everyone likes Merkel, her and Jacinta. <laughs> Women should rule the world. Um, as you know, that recently because there are a number of um, there are a number of female leaders that are good. Everyone's kind of gone. Yeah, you know, it's. <laughs> I'm gonna carry on with this German accent. You know, I think it's. True to say that women are, are much better leaders. Um, I don't. I don't. I think you've got some good ones right now. I think if you look through history, I don't think there's much evidence to suggest that women aren't as, you know, <laughs> you know, vindictive and vicious leaders if the need takes. I think it's actually a stereotype of women, isn't it? You know, they just get on where you know you get loads of women in a room together. We should all all politicians should be women. Just get them in a room together. You know, how well, women all get on when you stick them in a room together. One thing I resent is just having to get my head back in the Brexit game because it's just a reminder of how boring a lot of it is. So boring. You have to, I mean, at least with COVID, there's a lot of things that are readily understandable. The rule of six, you know, even though people pretend like they don't understand, what could it mean? Um, You know, you understand it, you know, washing hands and hospital admissions. You get a lot of the stuff with Brexit. you're You're going quite far into some technicalities, you know. With COVID, you know, wash your hands. You're like, yeah, I'll, I'll wash my hands anyway. Like, uh, don't see your family as much. You're like, okay, I'll see what I can do. Um, but it has challenged this. It has challenged my view that there will be a free trade agreement at the end of all of this. You know, that there might be no deal because all of long, all along, I've sort of thought that the scale of vested interests on both sides mean that that outcome is kind of uh, inevitable in the long run. 
But I, I must I must admit there is something about this Tory administration where you know certainly with Cummins and you know like how how detached the leadership are from the MPs. That I, I I just I just worry. It's very strange because when it comes to COVID, um, the government do seem to be kind of sort of governing by a focus group almost. A lot of the things they do are just just simply the things that have the broadest public support, right? But when it comes to Brexit, they're, they're, they're kind of mavericks out on their own. And it, it made for something odd this week as well, was sort of an impressive Ed Miliband. <laughs> yeah, I'll just say that again. An impressive Ed Miliband in the House of Commons. He was, you know, I mean, like, as, as usual with these things, people kind of go a bit too far with the praise. They're like, he absolutely took Boris apart. He eviscerated him. And I think, well, yeah, no, he had a good two minutes, which we all saw, right? You know, old Ed didn't get to run the country in the end, but he did get a nice little viral clip, which was nice, and his podcast. So, I thought, you know, he's, in many ways, he's won, hasn't he? I, he, was, he was good up against Boris. He certainly seemed more confident than he ever did against Cameron. There was something about Cameron that just gave Ed the willies, didn't it? I don't know, Cameron's like 6'4". Maybe maybe it was just, you know, we talk about the hypothetical political fights. Maybe it was just that uh, Ed kind of thought deep down that if, if it came to it, David would probably have got him in a headlock, which he couldn't have got out. Have <laughs> you ever seen that with blokes? That's humiliating, man. I've had it done once to me, and I've, had, I've done it once to someone else. Where you just get someone in a headlock. And it's very strange because headlock's quite... Like, there's a strange sort of p- panic that comes over you. It's like having your head stuck between two railings. You sort of forget all the other stuff. You forget that you could just repeatedly punch the guy in the balls from the other angle. Uh, you just... <laughs> it's a really good submission move. And, yeah, Ed... Ed I mean, Ed, look, this is, this is the thing about having a podcast. Ed Miliband, you know, he was never... He was never that impressive at the dispatch box. But he's gone away. He's got a fairly successful podcast. And now look at him go. Because that's, that's what we need. What we need is more men thinking they should have podcasts. And in a weird way, it wasn't, it wasn't good for Starmer, was it? How gutted must he have been when he found that he could actually get a COVID test locally and quite quickly? Because he would have been like, just deep down thinking, God, this will be amazing. If I have to drive to Derby to get my COVID test, there's your headline. <laughs> I bet he kept going again and again with the with the uh, the website. Going, let's just try again. Let's just, let's just, you know, like when you keep checking your lottery numbers, thinking, no, come on, I'm sure like, I got two balls. Didn't two balls a tenner? Two balls a tenner. Like, oh fuck! But I mean, if it was Corbyn, he would have just uh, he would have driven to Derby anyway. He'd have got the train to Derby anyway, and then he would have gone to the testing centre, and he would literally have had somebody with a swab up his nose, and he would have been claiming that there were no tests available. But Starmer, you know, it's bad for him in that it kind of proved that that you know, doing well at the dispatch box because Corbyn was so shit for so long. Starmer came in and has been quite good and everyone, God, well, this is a, this is refreshing. This guy is a master at the dispatch box. And I think Ed Miliband has gone up and gone, well, you know what? Boris isn't very good at the dispatch box and it's actually not that hard to look good in opposition to him. You know, and the other thing that, um, that Ed Miliband looked in comparison to Starmer was human. As well, there was a human element to the way that he spoke to Boris. Whereas Starmer, the surprise, surprise, uh, Starmer the charmer isn't isn't that charming. He just he just you know he strikes you as exactly what what he is. You know, decent bloke, lawyer, but boring. I mean, like, can we talk about that with Starmer? He's just, and I know that the people say, "Just childish. We don't we don't need our public figures to be exciting, Jeff. I just rather have competence." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But look around the world. Look at all the political figures that have made. Um, <laughs> I know I can see people now going, "What have you really turned this round onto an attack on the Labour Party, Jeff and Starmer?" 
Uh, I do get criticised for doing that. I'm, I admit it's happened organically. It, it just this is where I find myself. So, <laughs> but I, I think that if you look around at political figures all around the world, people like an idea, something that makes them feel something. And I don't know what that will ever be with Starmer. And you know, I do think you know, with, with Brexit, as with so many other things, we don't ever really know what the Labour Party would have done differently. But you know, let's get this back onto the Tories, right? Let's let's finish on what most people think. I think is that, you know, maybe the EU would meddle in affairs. You know, maybe it would have been a good idea to have noticed this when you presented it as a good deal. Maybe no deal could work out in the long run. But given that we're still going through a global pandemic, it's just a hunch that, you know, the added hassle of no deal might not be the right time to throw that into the mix as well. I'm going to get the Brexiteers now going, what are you talking about? No deal being the best thing that ever happened to Britain. Okay, just a quick hype here. New £5 patrons. Thank you, by, by the way, thank you so much for all the people that became patrons when I uh, announced that I'd sort of knocked back the advertising platform and also released the news desk content last week. And thank you for all the replies and, and the feedback to that. It's something that I'm going to look to do again soon. I was thinking maybe once a month, but I, I sort of want to take on the feedback. I've got an idea of how to make it better. I think that, you know, a lot of people said it was kind of like a mass report in reverse, which is, you know, it's no bad. I, I, I want to make it more distinctive. So I've got an idea. So sort of stay tuned for that. There'll be more content coming along those lines. Uh, new £5 patrons. We had quite a few. Gavin Stanley, Johnny Hall, Bradley Fordham, Giles Sumner, who just sounds like a uh, columnist for the Times. Giles Sumner on a Sunday. Sumner's Sundays in summer. Uh, John Streets, that's a fucking cool name. Sounds like a Martin Amis character. Danny Clayton, uh, James Fowler, and Max Peters. All solid names there. And let's be honest, an absolute sausage fest there. That is just just like, you know, that was like naked attraction there. Just just penis after penis. I'm not saying you boys are penises. I'm, you're, you've all got very solid names there. Uh, Johnny, uh, this sounds like a, is it me or does this sound like a rugby, like a, an England Rugby union side from the late 90s. Gavin Stanley, Johnny Hall, Bradley Fordham, Giles Sumner, John Streets, Danny Clayton, the good-looking winger who dates models. Yeah, Danny Clayton. James Fowler, the, the beast sort of six-foot-seven freak one. And Max Peters, who'd be sort of like the Johnny Wilkinson one. Um, just quickly, um, before we crack on talking about COVID... The tour stuff. Look, I know that there are other lockdown things being spoken about, curfews and whatnot. So, be, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to go ahead with these tour shows. As far as they're going <laughs> to, until I'm legally told I can't do it. I was just thinking of that uh, bit in Wall Street, Wolf of Wall Street, where he uh, he says that he's going to resign and he doesn't. They're going to have to drag me out of here in a fucking tank. Um, but yeah, I will. I will. And you know, these, whatever these lockdown measures are, these circuit breaker things. It might be quite short. And, you know, most of my tour shows finish by 10. Anyway, right? Wink, wink, guys. Eh? Yeah, they don't need to know. Don't tell the fuzz. Okay, so let's talk about recent COVID um, developments. And uh, just one thing here. I've had a, a couple of correspondences from people via the Patreons. Like, they're normally on the same page as me. But, they, you know, they find me being um, a lockdown sceptic surprising you know because a lot of people do just think it's a very simple thing to do just observe the rules it's for the greater good and all that stuff let me just say like i i have observed all the rules Meh, mostly right i've observed the rules i've had 
my questions about them, face masks and so on. But I just, I, it's not a zero-sum game. That's the thing, is that there are consequences to any lockdown measure, right? There are consequences to it. And it does worry me a government that kind of running stuff, you know, running bypassing parliament frequently for these things that are going to have big impacts on people's lives and we're not 100% sure how effective they are, right? So, so we're at the point now where we're considering... Well, we're certainly talking about a new lockdown. It does feel like with another lockdown. Do you remember that day-to-day sketch where they're talking about war and uh, and Chris Morris as a presenter basically talks up two correspondents to the point of war when they just actually signed a peace accord? And this seems to be what the media have done with with the lockdown. Are you going to do a lockdown? We're not going to do a lockdown. I mean, lockdown, were you, were you saying you'd never do a lockdown? I'm saying lockdown is a last resort. So you're saying lockdown is on the table. Lockdown is always on the table. Government minister says lockdown likely... I mean, this is happening repeatedly. Uh, a national lockdown. Just a little two-week lockdown they're talking about, maybe. You know, a little, cheeky little two-weeker. Just, just to reset things. And then, and then what? Unless there's a vaccine, and then what, right? We get out. We do this stuff again. This amount. I, what I don't understand is why is this even a discussion in this country where uh, the rates of infections have been rising faster in France and Spain? You know, like it's been sort of three, a thousand odd for the last week here. You know, France and Spain, about eight, ten thousand. And, and it's not being discussed there. I don't know if maybe they, their media is different to ours. I think that there has been a problem throughout COVID is that uh, people, you know, we just presume every country is just cracking on and having a great experience. And just the farce of this government who just can't get anything right. I do think, like, I've given the government some stick lately, but I've got to stand up and just... It's just a reminder that this is really hard, yeah? That this thing that we didn't know anything about not that long ago, and now we're up to testing, what, the capacity is half a million a day? We're not, we're not doing half a million a day. And, you know, but it's all the government's fault. No one's taking any personal responsibility, which, you know, if you're using tests that they don't necessarily need... I find it so odd that there was such a rush of culpability when people were on Bournemouth Beach, wasn't it? Oh, look at them, these idiots, these COVID idiots who are spreading the disease. Look at them on VE Day doing the conga. Look at them spreading the disease. And then suddenly the idea swings into view that people might just begin, just possibly begin, uh, tests they don't need. They're going, yo, that's just, that's an outrageous slur from the government. That is victim blaming. Well, hang on. What about you? You know, when we saw the images of people in parks, right? People seem the same people seem quite willing to judge those people, but not willing to think that you know another group of people, the risk averse people, might be getting tests that they don't need simply because. Well, I mean, it almost built up like a um, like a petrol shortage. Anyway, I've lived for a few petrol shortages now, and what happens quickly when you hear one of the consequences of people saying, "Oh, yeah, it's much harder to get a test now," so people go, hmm, "I'm going to go online." See if I can get a test. Same pricks. Are you telling me the same pricks that had a cupboard full of bog roll and fucking like a, a cellar full of pasta weren't the same people that would just go, well, I'm not going to be caught sure. I'm going to get a test now for free. You know, I, th- I think we do need to get back to a little bit of common sense with all of this as well. You know, you have this thing where on, on the press where they start to, you know, their job that they think is to, every time there's a new measure is to point out any of the inconsistencies in it, right? So they go, I'm I'm sorry, Minister, rule of six, so what if you've got a family of five and there's two grandparents visiting? What, you know, what is going on? What happens there? What if you've got, you know, a family of four and then the granddad is married to two women at the same time because he's a bigamist? And you think, look, come on, look, we all know, right? I'm not advocating breaking the law here, but I would imagine... 
the, a couple of pensioners that aren't seeing anybody else going to see the same family. I'd, I'd imagine that having one person more probably isn't going to break the bank. But there's there's no room for common sense in this. People are people. You know, people, ever since this became more complicated than uh, stay at home, protect the NHS, save lives. Right. Ever since then, everyone's been confused about everything. I just, you know, the, the the news seem to think it's legitimate news to find a member of the public that that doesn't know what's going on. Uh, we spoke to this person in uh, Leicester Town Centre that didn't know what was going on. They go straight to me going, yeah, I just, I just don't know what's going on. I just, you know, you hear one thing one day and then you hear one next thing the next. I remember being a teacher, right? And I used to do supply teaching. I would go into these classes doing English teaching. I would just, you know, people are very quick, right? The public are very quick to blame someone else. You know, just say, I say, well, you've used that apostrophe in the wrong place. We never got taught about apostrophe, sir. Really? What, by the age of 14, no English teacher ever has ever told you correctly where to put an apostrophe? Or were you just sitting there like a tit in a trance and didn't really take it on? Where is responsibility in this, people? Going back to what I said at the beginning of the show about, you know, these these people in bands, you know, rock stars that are taking exception or issue with uh, COVID regulations like Ian Brown and Noel Gallagher. Now Van Morrison has written lockdown protest songs. And then you go through the same process of going, oh, another legend disappoints. <laughs> well, Jedward, Jedward with that thing with uh, J.K. Rowling. Do you see that where they, they basically said that they were going to buy her book so they could burn it? And then everyone's going, oh my God, I heart Jedward. This is what pisses me off about social media is people like just... Obviously, bellends for a long time. Just do one tweet in support of one community or some, you know, progressive liberal cause. Suddenly, they're the new darlings. Gary Lineker, being liberal has been an absolute boon for that geezer. I mean, did the public really generally have a strong view about Gary Lineker either way before he started being like super Remainer, pro-refugee, I'm taking a refugee into my house. <laughs> it's part of his brand now. And I think that, you know, what about me? What about me? You know, I, I was a massive Jedward fan. So disappointed in them than basically burning books, which is what fascists used to do, you know? But, you know, music... I mean, it just takes people by surprise when musicians uh, display individu- individualistic flair. Now, even though that that was what rock and roll was always about once upon a time, it was about the cult of the individual. It's about... Is it really a surprise that rock stars don't want to be told what to do? You know, when you see them swaggering onto stage to 70,000 people, do they look like people that want to be hemmed in by regulations and bureaucracy? But that's the thing, isn't it? You know, with bands, we've sort of fallen out of the idea of, of bands being mavericks, you know, being icons, um, having their own opinions. Because, like, bands, for, I, mean, what, I mean, what are bands? I don't even know. Are they bands anymore? You know, I think the grime scene... He's pretty dominant in terms of the UK. It's got all the bases covered. I don't even know if there's still geezers with guitars and drums. I, I don't know. But if they were, I mean, bands, they wouldn't throw TVs out of the window now, would they? They would be... Uh, well, if they, if they did throw a TV out of the window, it would be because it was made with non-recyclable plastic. That would be, you know... <laughs> you know, or it's made with child labour. Unless it came from China. For some reason, the left have a weird blind spot when it comes to everything to do with China, you know? <laughs> well, see, there was that thing with Joe Malone where... John Boyega uh, was in an advert. It's pretty outrageous, right? He's in an advert for Joe Malone, which he sort of like, he came up with the idea, he scripted it, he was in it. And then uh, Joe Malone in Chinese territories um, removed him, which is uh, fucking outrageous, right? And then people were like, yeah, boycott Joe Malone. I think, I think it missed something out of this equation here, which is the behaviour of, you know, the Chinese state. And a lot of companies, 
you know, in China, the way that these big corporations, on the one hand, this has really gone off topic. What are we talk about? We talk about COVID. But on the one hand, right, they're probably thinking now, Jeff, are you implicit? Is, is this a subliminal blame China message? No, I'm just saying that on the one hand, you've got a company like Disney who are, you know, trying to uh, be progressive on the one front. And then, you know, on the, on the other hand, you look at the way that they advertise their shows in China, it's, it's very different. You know, the, the kind of talent that they leave out or, or certainly take the emphasis off of. I think that, you know, it's just this problem with, with, with moral politics on the left is it often has a real lack of consistency to it. I think that there is some, perhaps some association on the left is just sort of think, well, if we're anti-China, that, you know, Chinese people aren't white, that feels a bit like racism. But equally, the same people that may well quite happily equate uh, Jewishness with Israel with no problems whatsoever. <laughs> so look, look, going back to the COVID thing is I, I, you know, so far I have, um, I, I have broadly followed the law where possible, right? I just think when it comes down to the idea of a curfew, you know, any kind of curfew, or, you know, certainly in terms of a curfew of when I can leave my house, I, I really have an issue with that, right? I really have an issue with that. And it is, it is a shock to have voted for a conservative government that are potentially telling me I can't do things and, and, and making it very difficult for me to earn money. And everyone's going, all oh, right, Norco, here we go. Yeah, do we get back to basically you just want your tour shows to go ahead? Yeah, basically that's fucking it. So we've got some letters here. The first letter is from... I don't, sorry, I don't have a name here. Is it Andy? Maybe send me this one. Andy, let's just say Andy. There's a lot of Andys, aren't there? Uh, Jeff, difficult to understand the outrage by the press and former prime ministers and some MPs over the government pushing forward the Brexit internal market bill uh, to ensure we don't get screwed by the EU in negotiations. They don't seem to comprehend from previous dealings with the EU that trusting them is like having oral sex with a shark. Um, I, I, I think we broadly covered this uh, earlier on in the podcast, but I, I just having oral sex with a shark. It's just such a visceral image, and I, I appreciate it. And I, I, I do think that the former prime minister's thing is interesting. You know, like, do you remember when they used to make interventions? It was like historically important. It happened only every so often from the back benches. You know, it tended to go down in sort of political folklore. Now it's a bit like you remember when veterans tennis was an occasional thing. You know, just crop out, you just see Henri Leconte go, oh, look at him, eh? you know, teasing that bald boy with the banana skin. Hilarious. And then it became like an all-year-round circuit. And I think that that's what's happened with former prime ministers now. And I was sort of thinking, there must be like a WhatsApp group of former prime ministers. I think that I think that Blair dominates. I think Gordon Brown maybe is a bit, bit humorless with the memes, if you know what I mean. Doesn't really get them. Uh, oh, guys, could you uh, stop sending me content like this? I find it deeply inappropriate. And uh, David Cameron just basically posting photos of himself sunbathing. Um, but, but yeah, I, I don't, you know, it, it was particularly rich to have Tony Blair talking about the importance of not breaking international law. I mean, like, do you, just, do you know that you're you, Tony? Do you remember you being you? The stuff you did when you were you? When everyone wind your fucking neck in? Okay, next letter is from Jeff. This is also from Andy. Fantastic podcast. Uh, two questions do you think it's reverse sexism uh, when everybody has a go at Boris in his hair but not a mention about wee Nicola and her atrocious Mad Max villain style of course it's double standards right like Nicola Sturgeon is a uh, you know she's a very good politician she's very well established she's got a lot of power now and the idea that you can't point out 
her hair is awful. You know, like, I, 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 you know, I don't get it. It comes from a very simplistic view of privilege and power, doesn't it? Is that, you know, men are all powerful, right? Let, let's look at it this way. If you had, like, just a backbench Tory MP, who's just, you know, quite a posh bloke, but, you know, and then you have Nicola Sturgeon. She has way, way, way more power. But any allusion to a female politician's appearance, I mean, it'll be interesting in the upcoming series of Spitting Image just to see how they handle that. You know, because like when Spitting Image was on before and they kind of characterised Thatcher as a ball breaker and, you know, even that's a loaded phrase, uh, a loaded idea in itself now. But yeah, if you, if you want somebody to take the piss out of Nicola Sturgeon's hair, I will, I will, you know, it's it's just fucking, it's, re- it's inexplicably bad. It's a bit like when you, Simon Cowell's another one. You think like, he's, he's done stuff to every part of his body, but his hair is unbelievably shit. So I will say, yeah, I'll say Nicholas Sturgeon's hair is 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 bad. There you go. Controversial content from what most people think there. Right-wing comedian insinuates female politician haircut is bad. Okay, we've got a letter here about a relationship issue. Uh, oh, sorry, part two from Andy. All right, we've broken this up anyway. Uh, secondly, I had my first KFC in ages recently. What the fuck has happened to their chips and fries? They're too big for fries, but too small for chips. They are hell in fried potato form, or am I wrong about this? Yeah, I. Well, they've, they've also got skin on, haven't they? They've gone with this kind of vibe, because they know, they know Burger King have the same problem, is that McDonald's fries are... For whatever reason, I don't know whether it's the plastic or whatever shit they put in it, but they are amazing. I don't know why they're amazing. They're amazing for such a brief period of time as well. McDonald's fries—they're sort of like they're sort of like the butterflies of the fast food world, <laughs> aren't they? They're just—they're born and they're just—they're so beautiful. And then it's such brief, such brief window of time where they're enjoyable. But they are good when they're good. KFC. I mean, a bigger issue if you want to get on the KFC thing is is the size of the chicken that you get. I remember them being a lot bigger, and then people there was that myth for ages, wasn't there, that KFC were essentially uh, breeding mutant chickens, and then it, it, you know, but oh, that was the reason apparently that they couldn't put chicken. There's the reason why they had to call themselves KFC, and then I thought, well, that that works up to the point where you realise that the word chicken is on their menu about fifty eight thousand times, but and. Um, but maybe they did because now the chicken has gone really small. I'd rather, you know, controversial view. I'd rather they reared a <laughs> six foot chicken, right? Who could, who can fucking play hockey? Uh, and I just my my chicken breast didn't come out looking like a, a fucking fried robin redbreast. Let here. It's a relationship one. I haven't had any of these for a while. I love chatting relationship stuff from blokes. All right. Hi, Jeff. Love the podcast. Still think your sound is shit. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I have an issue with my missus. What's that? You're too honest about how she sounds? Maybe. Um, she moaned for ages that I didn't integrate her into my friendship group. Um, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, like, I would say that the fact that the moment she moaned about it, he's, she should never have joined it. I don't know where this letter goes from now. That's not really something that you get to moan about. But I guess it does become an issue as relationships go on. Uh, as I was in my late 20s, we still had fun. What, what a lovely... <laughs> we still have this is all past tense I, I don't get the sense this guy's enjoying middle age uh, now we do more stuff with wives so she comes out with this with this probably means with us however she is taken to frequently mugging she's taken to frequently mugging me off in front of them oh this isn't good is it uh, my mates look embarrassed for me <laughs> yeah it's nothing like yeah control your woman control your goddamn woman there she's out of control boy um, they laugh politely 
But this seems to be egging her on. <laughs> Uh, she thinks, she thinks, oh, great. She thinks she, she's the group joker now. Oh, that is embarrassing. She says, so she basically, so she's come out of you. She's meeting, look, and in fairness to her, right? Maybe your mates are quite ladsy mates. She desperately wants the approval of the group. They may be seen that you'll take the piss out of each other. So she's seen her way in to get a seat at the table is to mug you off. And then your friends, because they're good lads, They've uh, politely gone, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, oh, oh good, good one, <laughs> yeah. But no, she's she's not taken that for what it was. She now thinks that she is, uh, she's hitting you with zingers. Oh, wow. Um, who should I have a word with? Her or my mates? Well, I could be yourself, sir. Yourself. I'm not going to say your name because you put it, but I don't know if this is supposed to be read out. Um, I Yeah, I think this is a really tricky one. Who do you have? Who do you have a word for? Well, you can't really say, like, what, what's the most complicated and what makes you look the weakest? If you say to your friends, oh, could you, by the way, could you stop? Let's just call her Jane. Can you stop, um, can you stop laughing at Jane's jokes? Because, like, she's, you know, she's, her confidence is getting up. It just make you sound like a fucking weirdo. You know what I mean? But if, if you tell her, you then have to, because what will happen is, right, you'll start off by going, um, yeah, it's just I just feel a bit embarrassed when you do it and stuff like that. And she'll go, it's just banter. The lads love it, right? And you'll get annoyed and you'll go, yeah, actually, they don't fucking love it. They're just being polite. And then, okay, because I'm good at this sort of stuff. I'm good with the maths of these situations. Then the next equation is she will then feel humiliated at the idea that they weren't really laughing at her jokes. And then you'll be in for some shit that you didn't really be bargain for, okay? You know? They didn't really laugh at her jokes. You might find out that certain positive reactions that she has to you aren't real, if you know what I mean. Or what? They don't laugh at my... Their laughs aren't real. Do you know what's... Do you know what's not real? The last 10 years of orgasms, Barry. His name's not Barry, by the way. Um, so that is a tricky one. I, th I, think, I think you needed to... Um, I'm, I think the, 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 I think you just need to live with this. I think you need to live with this. And I, I think... Um, or, or you just start mugging her off, even worse, and just say, right, you want to take it there? You want to take it there? I'll tell you what you could do, right? This is this is brutal. Um, is uh, make a comment about her hair. I know, I know it's stereotype women, but like, it, women just get so conscious with it. Because you know what I mean? Like with other stuff, you know, they can... It, bad hair just upsets them, doesn't it? If they've got bad hair. You know, people say that men have become more vain over the years. They always say, they always say, oh, men are just as vain as women now. No, they're not. I've never seen a bloke fucking spend like 25 quid on a shampoo. Well, not many men, right? I've never seen a bloke fucking... Cry his, heart, cry his eyes out because he had a bad haircut. So, I yeah, just just kind of go. Oh, you want to take it there, babe? Yeah. Do you want Do you want to talk about your hair today? Just say that. Just a little shot across the bows there. She she might take the bait, or she might have respect for you enough to just go. Ah, oh, see where you're going with that. All right. So listen, and um, oh, and the other thing is, is if this goes wrong, I am not in any way culpable for this. You're you're on your. You're on your fucking own, mate. Man up. Okay, that's the end of the podcast. That's the end of the podcast. Got to say hello to three pound patrons. There's a few of those this week as well. Three pound patrons. Jordan Allen. That's a young name, isn't it? I don't know if you are. Because I always, I always think of Jordan as like a young bloke because there's that period where all the young lads are called Jordan. But then that's going to be a weird, that's going to be a weird granddad name, isn't it? Granddad Jordan. <laughs> granddad sounds like a fucking pair of trainers. Uh, Neil Dodsworth, Dodsey. I bet you that's got to be your nickname, isn't it, Neil? Dodsey. It's not going to be Worthy, is it? Worthy. That would be a strange sort of nick. Matt McCarvey. Is that how we 
Is that a Northern Irish accent? Uh, surname there, sir. McCarvey. Matt McCarvey. Yeah, that, you, know, you know Matt McCarvey. He's, um, that is, you, you're benefiting. I've always thought that uh, people with alliterative names sound good, like Matt McCarvey. You've got the two mers going on. And then Robert Sankey. Robert Sankey. How's your club going, Robert? You got socially distanced club open? Have <laughs> you? Um, that's one. Sorry, not all of you will get that because not all of you are amazing uh, clubbers like me. Um, just going to read out a few reviews from iTunes. If you give me, leave me a five star review, I will, I will read it out. Uh, this was from Wednesday. Always funny. I listen every week without fail. How are you, Jeff? Well, I'm fine. Um, I can't answer directly here, but um, I'm good. I mean, the hangover. I hope. I, I, I don't know. I don't know now. The beer fears kicked in. Was I right? Did I do something wrong? Did I, did I stare at someone's... Oh, uh, good podcast, thanks. This is from Sheer Hulk. Thanks for the podcast. I thought a podcast entitled What Most People Think Was Brave to Say, the least. But it's well thought out, works, and worth a listen every week. Andy L. By the way, your cuss count represents amateur levels of swearing. At 60 plus, I swear more getting out of bed. <laughs> That's a real... I'm going to use that phrase. I swear more getting out of bed. I mean, you know... I mean, if you'd have just tagged it up with you cunt, then that would have been good too. Uh, this is from Rob79. A belter of a podcast. Jeff is my guilty pleasure. Must be my middle class. Allow me solace from the imbalance of BBC Radio 4, which my wife insists on having on all the time in the house. Quite a long review this. So I'll just cut, cut to the end here. Uh, oh, it gets into some issues there, but thank you very much for that nice review. Appreciated. Uh, this is from SuperTuba. Uh, I'm a Johnny-come-lady to Jeff's podcast, and I doubt I'm the only one... I doubt I'm the only one to binge through the previous episodes over a couple of days. I've avoided a lot of comedy over the years because basically it's lefties telling me why I'm a stupid, terrible person. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, there has been some of that. Let's be honest, it's not a great sales pitch, is it? Uh, Jeff's podcast has cheered me up knowing. Thanks. Well, thank you. And this was from the last one from Saturday. Have listened to this podcast since the beginning. Well, thank you. Thank you for sticking with it. Through the dark periods of shit sound. And Jeff gets better and better as he becomes more confident. And let's be honest, upgraded from the original tape recorder that he used. Well, yeah, it, look, it wasn't great. But, you know, you get investment in, you put it back in. This is, the, this is Maggie's dream right here. Uh, honest, intelligent, self-deprecating, but most importantly, funny. Not afraid to criticise the Tories or share a personal issue or discuss men's mental health. This podcast has surprising depth to it. Thank you, mate. Surpri Why is it surprising? I'm a deep guy. Uh, and shows that Jeff is comfortable in his own skin. Along with Planet Normal, which I, I actually appeared on that, a Telegraph podcast. I'm also on Andrew Doyle's podcast as well this week. I am getting... I'll tell you something, people. This is actually my plan now. I use... You know, people just think that I want to get on the BBC and get my own show. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's not. It's not. I am going to become a household name, one podcast at a time. 